This morning, I want to look backwards. We've already talked about that a little bit. I want to look backwards this morning as we look to our future. It's only appropriate that we take a little bit of time and look backwards and, uh, and see what the year has given us. And, um, you know, it's always one of these Christmas, New Year's, Easter. It's always those big holidays or those big events where always it seems like you're preaching the same thing all over again because that's just the topic of the event of the day. But I was asking the Lord this week as what do we teach about? What do we talk about? What do we focus on? on this Sunday morning because it's so important that we focus on what God wants us to talk about. Sunday mornings are not to be wasted. They're not just to be a rambling time of a message. They're to be focused and pointed. So I asked the Lord, give us, give us the information you want to share today. And, and what it came to me was that we are to talk about our future by looking backwards. And then next week, we're probably going to look more at our present time, maybe even today a little bit, looking, living in the moment, and then next week probably moving, looking to our future, being that that would be the first day of 2015. But looking backwards is important if we're going to move forward properly. Now, being a water-based town as we are in Charlevoix, if anybody has been on a boat, we are in a no-wake zone going through Round Lake and also through the Ironton Narrows. And the purpose of a no-wake zone is that um, we're not, by our boat, creating too much of a wake that would disturb the boats around us and the ones parked. And so to, go f- to, to properly maneuver through Lake Round Lake, we have to look forward and look backwards, don't we? The captain of the boat is responsible for the wake that he's generating. There's a lot to be talked about right there in our own spiritual life. We are responsible for the wake that we are generating in the lives of other people around us. Do you ever think about that? You ever considered your actions and how your actions create a wake in life? And if we're not careful, we can go rip-roaring through life so fast, creating such a big wake about us that we're just disturbing everybody that comes in touch with us. Interesting, isn't it? And if you don't look back in the boat, you never know if you're going straight or not. You know, that is interesting, Dick, when you think about that, because you are seeing the pattern of where you've been. Isn't that correct? Okay. Now, if you've never thought about that, next time you get in a boat, next spring, try going straight without looking backwards. Either you have to have a good focal point forward to keep your eye on that point ahead, or you have to look backwards every once in a while to see if you're creating a zigzag in your prop wash. So today we want to talk about the importance of looking backwards as we prepare for our future. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 12 begins this way. So I will always remind you of these things. This is Peter speaking. Even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Peter was very intent on creating a wake that people would remember him by, but not in a wake of turmoil and trouble, but in a wake or in a pattern of living a righteous life. 
so that people would see how he lived it as Paul talked about how he lived it, as other writers of the New Testament talked about their lives as well, that it is important that we live our life in such a manner that others, as they see our life, as they see what we leave behind, that it is a positive thing and people can build upon it and that we can build upon it. It's good to look back at our foundation. It's good to look back at what we've built in the past so that we know that it's solid or not? Or do we have some repairing to do of the foundation before we move forward? Looking backwards is very important that we don't just rush ahead and just barge through life without having the intentional aspect of an evaluation on a regular basis of our life. And then, and then once we get on the right track, let's stay on it. Philippians chapter 3, verse 16. Only then let us live up to what we have already attained. Once you have established a foundational pattern, don't give up on it. Don't think it's not worth keeping up. It is. See, Isaiah 28 says we are to build upon precept upon precept, line upon line. But before we can build anything on the foundation, we have to make for sure, first sure that that foundation is solid and true. And that's one of the reasons Paul instructs us to look backwards in preparation to moving forward. And Paul talked about it quite often. In fact, the writers of the New Testament talked about look quite often about encouraging believers to look backwards at their teaching and making sure that it's solid, and then as a true foundation, they could build a Christian life. Paul instructs Timothy in 2 Timothy. The reason I like 2 Timothy so much is because this is, last, this is Paul's last oracle. This is his last um, teaching, his last writing to Timothy, uh, his spiritual son, before he's martyred. And so therefore, 2 Timothy, that whole chapter, if, when you read it with that intention that this is Paul's last effort... It just seems to be more impactful. And he talks to Timothy, and starting at verse uh, 5 of chapter 1, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, Timothy, and all of us right here, all of us, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you, the laying on of my hands. In other words, Paul is saying, you have something already established in your life. You now, P Timothy, and every one of us today need to be responsible for that and to fan the flame. Don't let that die down. How easily we can allow the goodness of God to be a yesterday thing and to run out of fuel. Do you know what I mean? Is that, does anyone associate with me on that? How, how easily we can... Um, be complacent. But Paul talks to Timothy about fanning the flame, keeping it burning hot, not allowing it to dim. And then he says in uh, that same chapter, beginning at verse 11, and of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am, yet this is no cause for shame. In other words, my suffering and the pain I've gone through, I'm not ashamed of that. It's no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed 
and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. In other words, Paul's looking backwards, seeing everything he's been through, and seeing how important it is that he allows that to be the foundation of his life for moving forward. That I know that I have believed in the right thing. I know that I have believed in Jesus Christ. I know that I have the power of the Holy Spirit living in me, and that is going to give me the foundation for moving forward. Therefore, I guard that trust. I guard that what has been planted in me, and I don't let it be snuffed out. I do not let it run out. He encourages us with that. No matter what is going on, that if we're persecuted or suffering or just plain tired, Paul encourages us to, to look backwards and see who you're found in. Who's behind you? Who's behind you? Jesus is there lifting you up, lifting you forward. You know, we in the New Testament, we are looking backwards at the cross. Whereas those in the Old Testament were looking forward to the cross. We in the New Testament, we look backwards to who, see G, who Jesus is and the salvation and the, the, the um, sacrifice that he created for us. So we are looking backwards, not remembering our sin, not looking backwards to relive our life, but we are looking backwards at, to who Jesus is in our life and the foundation and the strength that he is in our life so that when I am persecuted, when I am suffering, when I am tired of life, because we can get tired of life, can't we? We can get tired. We can get burned out here a little bit. But when I look backwards to the cross, I see the sure foundation. I see that to be a good pattern. Beginning, then continuing on in verse 13 of that same 2 Timothy chapter 1, Tim, uh, Paul says, What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Wow, thank goodness. Thank the Lord that he's given us the Holy Spirit. I would not want to try to live a Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Amen? It would just be impossible. It would be so hard to think I could live up to living a godly, holy life if I was doing it on my own. Scott tried to talk. Scott mentioned it today, earlier as well. How we just—it's so—we're so, we're so um, empowered when we recognize and remember that we have the Holy Spirit to help us, to guard it, and protect it. So when we look backwards, it's the, it's the importance of seeing a firm foundation. And Jesus understood about foundations. Jesus knew all about building, didn't he? He was a carpenter. He was trained as a carpenter. He knows what it is to, if you're going to use a piece of wood and if you want to make it square, you've got to plane it, you've got to do the work on it first before you just start using it. He, understood, he understands principles, precepts upon precepts. He told a parable, actually, about this in Luke chapter 6. And we want to read this. Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 48. They are like a man building a house who dug deep down and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. You see, if we're going to build anything, a house, a garage, we have to put the footings on a firm foundation so that when the wind and the rain and the snow and the ice and all the other things that would come, the weight of the world that comes against that building, that the foundation is able to hold up, right? Likewise with our spiritual life. 
we have a lot of storms that come against us in our spiritual life, don't we? And if we don't have a proper foundation and a firm foundation built on what? What do we build it on? Somebody tell me, what do we build our foundation on? Our feelings, Scott? No. Why not our feelings? Why don't we build our foundation on our feelings? Because they change. Good answer. The most consistent thing in life is a changing feeling. I can feel so good, and in a minute, I can feel so bad. Amen? Can you too? Do, do you associate with that? Yeah, and so we don't build our foundation, spiritual life, on our feelings because that would be a house that wouldn't stand. But what do we build our foundation on then? The Word of God. The Word of God. Now, a little evaluation time, a little time of remembering. How much this past year, 2014, did we personally, me and you personally, spend in the Word of God? How much did we spend truly reading the Word of God? Don't let this just go by as the pastor trying to make you feel guilty, because I'm not. But truly, I'm asking the question. I'm asking it of myself as much as I'm asking it of anyone else. If I'm going to build my life on the foundation of the Word of God, how much did I read it? How much did I study it? How much? And can I tell you, can I, can I give a little hint that if you're having a hard time getting into God's Word, do you know that's even more reason why you need to be? Because that's exactly what the devil doesn't want you to do. The devil knows. <laughs> He's read the Word. He doesn't live by it, but he's read it. He knows everything that's written in God's Word, and he knows how important it is that I, as a Christian man, and you as a Christian man or woman, how important it is that you read it and apply it to defeat him. And if he can stop me from reading God's Word, he can defeat me. Because I'm not so powerful in myself to defeat him unless I'm using the Word of God to defeat him. Amen? That's the foundation I'm talking about. That's the applicable foundation I'm talking about this morning. I'm just not trying to use words that sound good, but we're trying to get to the application of why. Why is it important I read God's Word? Not just so that I can memorize it. Not just so that I can say that I have. Not just so that I can get my morning off started right. No, I, I read God's Word because it is a weapon to use in spiritual warfare to, to, to defeat the enemy. And if I don't think I need it, then I'm fooling myself. Because I need the Word of God in my life as a sure foundation if I am going to defeat the enemy. And you, you can't say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay on this one for a minute because this is really important. I can't say that I read the Bible through two years ago and think it's enough. And it's not just the fact that I read the Bible through. Because sometimes I can read the Bible through just to read it and not really apply it. You know, I, um, I'm reading the book from Dean Braxton. Dean Braxton was a man that we listened to on a, I guess, a Wednesday night. At, uh, of our last heaven night. Dean Braxton uh, is, was a man that was a, a good Christian man. And he died for an hour and 45 minutes and he went to heaven. And he came back and told his story. And the reason that I believe Dean, Dean Braxton's story is because he constantly 
emphasizes in his testimony that um, he was a born-again Christian man. I, there are a lot of testimonies that of people that have so-called had near-death experiences and gone to heaven, but they never, they, never talk about the, they never talk about the Bible. They never talk about Jesus. They never talk about anything else besides white lights. Well, the devil can come as a white light. So I don't believe every man that says they've been to heaven or not, but I believe, but I believe Dean Braxton. And what Dean said as I'm reading his book is how important prayers are that come from the heart. Prayers that come from the heart. Not just a prayer that I pray because I memorized a prayer at dinner time or bedtime that come from the mind, but the prayer that comes from the heart. The heart is the spiritual seat of a, of a man. It's the spiritual seat. That's why the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When I pray with my heavenly prayer language, that is a prayer generating from my heart, lifted to heaven with the heavenly prayer language, gifted by the Holy Spirit. Those are the prayers that God hears right now, and he never forgets it. God never forgets the prayer. So the prayers that are really fervent, the prayers that are really effective, are the prayers that come from the heart. And man, as, I read, as I'm reading this book, and then I'm going back to Scripture to see, now, does, does this line up? Does it line up? Yes, it does line up. Because it says in James, the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Those are the prayers of the heart. And they availeth much. So that foundation that we have to have based upon God's Word is absolutely crucial to our life. That we need to know that we are basing our foundation, our future, on God's Word and not on man's interpretation of God's Word or my thoughts about it or my feelings based upon it. Again, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Now Paul's getting closer to his death. <laughs> Even more so here, re listen to the urgency of Paul's message here. He says in chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Boy, to start off with that means something good must be coming. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. That is a powerful sentence right there. That is an impactful sentence. Something amazing is going to come after the sentence. He goes on, verse 2, Preach the word preach, how can you preach it if you haven't read it? How can you preach it if you haven't experienced it? How can you preach it if you aren't in tuned to it? Preach the word. And by the way, he's not just speaking to me as the pastor here. <laughs> he's speaking to Timothy. He's speaking to all of you. He's speaking to all of us. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Man, a lot there too. 4, verse 3, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their own desires. People that base their life on their feelings, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Now, do you see passion there? Can you just imagine 
Paul writing to Timothy, the last word to say, Timothy, man, if, I was, if, there's, if you're going to remember anything from me, if you're going to remember anything from me, Timothy, this is what I want you to remember. Keep your foundation firm. Stay in the word of God. Use it as a double-edged sword. Use it and don't forget it. Understand that there are going to be those that are going to come against you that are going to not agree with it. They're not going to like it. They're going to give you problems over it. They're going to want you to teach something different. They're going to want you to teach something that makes them feel good. But, you know, Timothy, I'm telling you, Paul, as your spiritual father here, I'm telling you, Timothy, don't go there. Don't go there with this. Teach the word of God. Teach the truth of God's word. Why is that so important? Why is it important? It's vitally important that we base our teaching moving forward on the truth of God's word because that is eternally present. Everything else will pass away besides the word of God. Everything else passes away besides the word of God. That's the only thing that will endure to the end is the word of God. Therefore, then, make sure that I'm and I and you are living according to the thing that's going to be eternal. Why would I want to base my life on something that's not eternal? Why would I want to base my life on something that, is, that will go away or change? Man's philosophies are going to change. God's word never changes no matter the time we live in. <laughs> you know, and that's the, thing that, that's the thing that the politically correct people of the world have a hard time with. They have a hard time thinking that God's word isn't going to change to fit the times that we live in. What's 2014 or 2015 have to do with God's word? Where does it ever say that, at, that there's an expiration date? Now, I look at a gallon of milk, and I make sure that it's not expired before I drink out of the, out of the, count, out of the container. You better make sure it's not expired. How many have ever taken a, a gulp of, of, of sour milk? Yeah, Zach has. It's not good, is it, Zach? No. Pour it in the glass first. If it doesn't curdle, it's probably okay. But God's word has no expiration date. God's word does not sour. What sours is the heart of a man. What sours is my heart. Then when I hit the truth of God's word and my heart is soured for it, then it instantly curdles because my heart is soured. But God's word never changes. I don't need to modify it. I don't need to change it. If I'm living a holy life, if I'm living by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the foundation of God's word, I don't need to change it. Our society says today that God's word is old-fashioned and it isn't applicable today. It isn't, can, can, where does that come from, do you think? Tell me, somebody, where does that come from? Where does it come from to say that God's word isn't applicable? Who's behind that? The devil, absolutely. The devil, Satan, the accuser of the brethren. The deceiver, the great deceiver, he doesn't want us to get into God's word because he knows that we'll defeat him by it. Just because we're in 2014 and we have some technology, we have a computer that they didn't have maybe back a few years ago, that doesn't mean anything about changing the, the quality of God's word. That we have cell phones today doesn't change the, the quality of God's word at all. The fact that we can um, find people to change it doesn't change the quality of God's word. Because we can't find people to change it, can't we? There are pastors, there are teachers, there are, there are false teachers in the world that will change it. But Hebrews chapter 13, 8 and 9 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
and that we are not to be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. We are not to be carried away because there are those that will change it and twist it. That doesn't change God's word. We are to adjust our thinking so that when we read God's word, we see it to what it really says. That even though it might appear by the teaching of this world is old-fashioned and legalistic. It's not. God's word is not legalistic at all. God's word is holy and true, and it's a, it sets us free. It sets us free. What sets us in bondage is when we want to twist it and make it sound differently. Then all of a sudden, we then become bondage. We become the boundary givers or the bondage givers because God's word says truth sets free, and untruth binds. Untruth binds because if I'm going to be untrue, Somehow, some way, I'm going to get I'm going to get myself tied up in that untruth. But if I'm keeping to the truth of God's word, it sets me free. James talks about how important it is that we look at God's word and that we don't deceive ourselves by it. James chapter one verse twenty-two: Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law or the teaching that gives freedom, which is God's word, and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do, right? They, we, they will be blessed. What are the uh, uh, commentary says this. This is the true description of one who hears the word of God and does, not, and does it not. How many are there who when they sit under the word, are affected with their own sinfulness, misery, and danger. They acknowledge the evil of sin and their need for Christ, but when their hearing is over, all is forgotten. Convictions are lost. Good affections vanish and pass away like the waters of a land flood. He straightway forgets. See, our sin, when it's brought to our attention, by looking backwards sometimes, we can see the error of our way. By looking backwards and seeing that our wake is too big, or our wake is telling us that we're going in the wrong direction. A wise man will take correction. A wise man will look at that and say, mm, I must be out of line here a little bit. And not be offended for the fact that I'm out of line, but he will take advance of that and will take knowledge of that and will, he will make a change in his life accordingly and he will get his life back on track. James is pushing his readers to acknowledge that God's word, his law, and his teachings are the only freeing power given to mankind. The only thing that will set my life free is the truth of God's word. And if I think I can do it any other way, I'm badly mistaken. Badly mistaken and badly deceived. If I think I can change God's word to make me want to, to make me fit in more in our society by changing something of God's word, I'm deceiving myself. And I will be in bondage. But the truth, the truth of God's word, brings straightness to our path. It brings straightness, and it brings true revelation of truly what I need to be. Yes, it might hurt. Yeah, it may not always be fun. Yeah, I may have to go back and make some corrections. I may have to go back and apologize to some people. I may need to slow my boat down a little bit. I may need to change course a little bit. But when I do that... I'm bringing freedom back into my life. And I'm bringing relationship back with people. That I'm going back now, I'm not, I'm not continuing to hurt that person. You know the old saying is, two wrongs don't make a right? Two wrongs don't make a right? That's absolutely true. When I see that I'm wrong, when I look backwards and see that I've erred in some way, 
for me to continue on that path thinking that I'm going to get to the final destination is craziness. I'm not going to get to the final destination that I, really, that I started off with if I don't adjust my course. If I need to go back and tell people I'm sorry, that I need to go back and tell people I'm sorry. If I need to go back and make amends, that I need to go back and make amends. We all need to do that. That's, that's, the applicable, that's the applicable nature of what James is talking about right now, about a man looking at the truth of God's word, seeing himself in the mirror, then walking away and forgetting about it. Because if I know I'm supposed to do something and don't do it, what's the point of knowing it? In fact, I'm more accountable then to, to further punishment. Because now I'm more, I'm more illumined in my mind, and God said, I tried to tell you. I gave you good instruction, and you didn't heed it. There is no excuse for ignorance here, is there? So when I see God's word telling me something, I need to move into that. Now, can I, can you, does that create a little tension here? Does it create a little anxiety, a little stress point, a little crisis point in my life? Yeah, it does. But that's okay. I cannot make a change in my life if I don't have a crisis point. Crisis points are required. I have to come to a decision point in my life, and that's going to cause tension. It's going to cause some stress. It's going to cause some, some uh, heartache maybe. But see, this is where then I have the ability to make the proper choice. What do I do with that tension? What do I want to do with it? Do I want to make it go away, or do I want to deal with the root cause? Well... Many times we want to just make it go away. Many times we, want, we don't want to deal with it. You know, a good example of this is parenting. It's hard to be a good parent, isn't it? It's hard to follow through with good discipline. I see a little baby right here, and it's so cute. That's the easy, that's the easy time. <laughs> that's the easy time. But you know what? When, when little children get a little bit bigger, we were just down with our grandkids over uh, Christmas, and we have a three-year-old granddaughter and a year-and-a-half-old granddaughter. And, uh, and then we watched some old videos of when our kids were younger again. And, and uh, you know, those were not the good old days. I'm telling you what. Parenting is not for the old people anymore. And I consider myself an old person. It's hard work to be a good parent. It's hard work to be consistent with your children. And to spank them when it's necessary. And to correct them when it's necessary. But, you know, you do it because you love them, right? God does the same thing for us. It's hard work being God. <laughs> but you know what? When he's got a bunch of us to deal with, it's hard work being God. But you know, he's up to the task. He can handle it. And he's given us all the instruction in God's word if we'll just, we'll just pay attention to it. And then when that stress comes, when that tension comes, let's not just blow by it and try to get over that as quick as we can. Let's ask him, now, what did you want me to change, God? Seriously, God, what is there in my past that is causing this tension right now? What is it? And if you listen, he'll tell you. If you don't want to know, then you'll blow by it. And it'll come up later in your life again and again and again and again. But, you know, the secret to a peaceful life is dealing with the root cause of the things that create the tension. Going backwards, looking backwards, and say, what caused that in my life? That doesn't mean that we are basking in our sin. No, it doesn't mean that at all. We're going to talk about that next week when we talk about moving forward. What that means is we learn from our lessons. We learn from our mistakes because we've all made them. We've all made mistakes, haven't we? And we learn, if, if we're a wise man, we'll learn from our mistakes. This is why having a strong and firm foundation is so important. That having established our foundation, 
then we can, we can move forward in our future based on our past if it's founded in the Word of God and if it's the basis for living a life of freedom and fulfillment. I don't know about you, but I want, I want to be fulfilled. I don't like life when it's not fulfilled. Do you? I don't like it when I don't think I have a purpose. I don't like it when I'm thinking I'm just beating the air. I want to have a plan. I want to have a purpose. And the way I get that is by standing God's word, making sure that my foundation is pure and strong and stable, and then I live it out. Yeah. Jackie, if you'd come. Next week, we're going to talk about living in the moment and uh, living in the future. But clearly, the only way that I can live in the moment and live in the future is by taking a step backwards sometimes and looking and turning around backwards and seeing what's, what's caused my problems or what's caused my blessings. See, by looking backwards, we don't see just problems. We see blessings as well. We see God's blessings, which is what we've done earlier today. We had a moment, we had some time where we looked backwards in 2014 and we gave God glory and thanks for the things that he did, for the healings of our heart, for the healings of our body, for our financial blessings, for our family blessings, for our salvation. We look backwards and we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for that. I guess the challenge that I would leave this us all this morning is that I would ask us all to look backwards today and say, am I truly, is my foundation truly biblical? Is it truly on God's word? Or have I somehow, some way taken God's word and changed it enough to make it comfortable for me to sit on? I think sitting on God's word sometimes can be uncomfortable. I think standing on God's word sometimes requires us to um, Work hard. Work hard at keeping our balance. Because God's word is a challenge to a fleshly heart, to a man that has a heart of flesh, even though that I am a saved man, even though that I am not a sinner anymore, it's still hard work for me to keep my life balanced on God's word if I'm truly, truly seeking it. And clearly, this is where I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I need to have that. So this morning, as we take the time to reflect on 2014 and appreciate the foundation that God has established in our life and in this church, we need to thank Him for that. We need to thank Him for that. And then we need to constantly evaluate ourselves against that and say, Lord, don't let me be complacent here. I need to be like Timothy. I need to have Paul telling me, fan the flame, Timothy. Fan the flame, flame that, fan that ember into a flaming fire that we would then have the desire to, foot, to move forward. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for what you mean to us. We thank you, Lord, for 2014. We thank you, Lord, that we've lived through it. We thank you, Lord, that we are surviving through it, that we are, going, that we are thriving through it. Lord, and I look forward to 2015 for what it holds. And Lord, here's the most important part. I have no idea what it holds, but I do know that you are in it. I do know that you are my future based upon my past, based upon the fact that I'm putting you as my center point and firm foundation, that you will also be the center point, my foundation of 2015. 
So Lord, in the area, as I evaluate backwards, I look at my wake. God, do I need to adjust the, the speed of my ship? Do I need to adjust the course in any way, shape, or form? And if I do, Father, would you be, would you be merciful and graceful? Would you teach me? Would I be willing to hear? Would I have a teachable heart? Father, we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. throughout this week or anytime if you feel like you have some things you need to take care of I want you to know I'm always available even after the service if you need some things that you want to get right for this year if you want to leave 2014 on a positive note if there are some things in your life that you're just really struggling with and you need help God's help with you need to know that the church is here to stand with you you're not alone you're not alone Okay, I don't want anyone to feel like they're alone and they're struggling on their own. We're here to help you. We're here to be with you. We just offer ourselves to you to be available. All right? Amen. Let's pray and we'll go home. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you, Father. Lord, I pray that as always, Lord, that your word always brings a little conviction to our soul. That your word always brings a little bit of a, a crisis point that we would understand that maybe some things have to change. God, help us not to walk out of this building, Lord, without taking care of these things. 
Help us not just to think that our life's going to be okay. If we just ignore it long enough, it's just going to work itself out. Help us not to know that. Help us to know that, and help us, Lord, not to do that. God, I pray that you would just give us courage and boldness to deal with ourselves purely as the Word shows us to. Now, Father, I pray blessing on this building today. I pray blessings on these homes, these people related today. God, every household that's represented, thank you for a great year. God, we look forward to 2015, and I pray blessing upon blessing upon blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.